0: Welcome to the weekly podcast channel for the Wilmington Church of Christ. We hope that this channel inspires and encourages you to take the gospel to all people, transforms hearts to be like Christ, and trains disciples to make disciples. For more information about our church, please go to wcconline.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning. My name's Bruce Stauffer. I'm not Dale McCamish. If you were coming to hear him speak this morning, I'm sorry. You'll have to Tolerate me this morning. I happen to teach Sunday school class over across the way for the last 20 years or so. And about two months ago, Dale asked me, Bruce, would you be willing to preach on this Sunday? I took a deep breath. Then he followed up by saying, The book of Revelation will be over by then. I went, Okay, I'll preach. I'll be more than glad to. Uh, To be honest, I was really impressed by the fact that Dale and Dow both uh, tackled the, the book of Revelation and did a wonderful job with it. But I, I'm scared to death of trying to tell you what that, all that means. It's, it's an impressive book. What it means to me, though, is that we're all saved as long as we believe in Jesus Christ and follow his teachings. And everything's going to work out from there which got me thinking about what to preach today. Because, you know, this has been the year of crises. Everything's been a crisis. And Dale called me up a couple weeks later and said, Bruce, the series of lessons that I want to teach on after the book of Revelation is over is called, You Ask For It. Will your sermon fit in that? And I thought about it, and I went, Yes. You asked for it. When we're facing crises, the question is, how do we stay faithful to Christ? And if that's been a question that's run through your mind over the last six months, listen up this morning. Because that's what I've been looking at for the last couple of months. It's an interesting study, and it all beca- it's all because of what's going on around us. You remember what it's been like this last six months? The very first month, the very first week of the month, of the year, we had Australia going up in flames. You remember that? It just doesn't seem like that was only six months ago. But yes, six months ago, we were all worried that Australia was going to burn. And then it was an impeachment Papers going from the House of Representatives to the Senate. And then, of course, it was Kobe Bryant dying. That was a shocker. I can remember being at the gym there at Planet Fitness and seeing people actually stopping what they were doing and going, wow, never thought that would happen. Like, that's big news compared to what else has happened. I mean, since then, we've all been in lockdown. We've had COVID-19 we had George Floyd's shooting, we had riots. What's next? We had Saharan dust dust storms, we had killer hornets. What is next? Well, a presidential elections, what's next? And I'm not a, I'm not worried or excited about that. We are perpetually in a state of crisis right now. And I was thankful that when Dale called, I happened to be in the middle of a study on the prison epistles by Paul. Paul was in prison, and he was writing to churches that were in crisis. And he gave them words of advice, words of wisdom, in Colossians and Galatians, Philippians and Philemon. Literally a third of the books that he wrote were written while he was in prison. And I remembered especially two verses from Colossians chapter 2 that stuck out in my mind, and I want to share those with you today, because if you're going to remain in Christ during crises, I think these two verses hold all the answers that you need. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 tell us these very simple, straightforward words, and yet they're very powerful if we put them into practice. There Paul wrote to the churches, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward, but hard to live out, especially when the waves of of crisis are all around you. Every time you flip on the television, every time you turn on the radio, every time you look at your phone, there's a new problem in the world, and it's a problem that's supposed to be affecting you personally. And here in... Colossians Paul writes to us and says don't worry about it. I have the answer for you. If you want to stay in Christ, listen up. It's real simple. Stay rooted in him. Hold on to your faith and be thankful. Now, to be honest, I'm not that big of a plant person. I don't I don't live on a farm, never lived on a farm. I've worked on a few farms, but I'll I'll be honest, I don't know much about, about farming. But I do know some things about trees. And I learned a lot more in the preparation for this sermon. Did you know that an apple tree that at six years of age, it will have roots that go 20 feet down? It may only be 20, 25 feet tall, but it's got roots that go equally down into the ground. I was pretty amazed at that. Now I understand why my grandmother, when she told me to water the, her apple trees, I went out there one day and I sprayed them. And she said, no, Bruce. And I looked at her and went, okay. Started spraying the ground and she went, no, Bruce. She walked me over and she had this four inch pipe that went down into the ground and I later found out it went 10 feet down into the ground. And she said, fill the pipe up with water because a tree gets its strength from the roots down underneath. That got me to thinking, how deep do you think a sequoia tree's roots go? If a little apple tree at 20, 25 feet goes 20 feet down, a sequoia tree's roots must go 12 feet on average. 12 feet. When I looked that up, I I admit I had to go to two or three other sources to make certain that this wasn't 120 feet. It went 12 feet, but they may cover a full acre around it. And not only will it cover a full acre around it, it'll cover up to 90,000 cubic feet. To give you an idea of that, I don't think this room is 90,000 cubic feet, full of roots. Now I've given you all this information and you're sitting there going, so I don't have sequoia trees and I don't have apple trees. No, but you do have a life that needs to be rooted in Christ. That means you have to sink your life right down into him. You have to feed from down deep. It's nice to know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. But if you never grow beyond that, are you going to be an effective witness for Jesus? You need to grow your life down into him to be able to wrestle with those problems of why is there evil in the world? Why does God allow trials and tribulations to come? The questions that Dale and others are going to address in the next few weeks, they're questions that we should be grappling with as a church. They should be questions that we do ask for. The answers too. We should be digging deep. And I love that part. Trust me, I'll dig as deep down in and I'll sit there and have conversations with you about premillennial or all millennial or all those other things as long as you want. But the other part of the root system I'm not so good with. And yet you can see how it works. If we're to have a root system like a sequoia tree, that's the perfect picture of a church. Winding out our roots to one another, holding one another up. Did you know that sequoia trees rarely grow by themselves? They almost always grow in groves. Because after they've grown up so tall, they need the support of others around them. That may be true for you in your Christian walk as well. You may need somebody else to wind their roots in with yours, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to help hold you up when the storms come, and for you to also help hold others up. I'll be honest with you, I love to sink my my roots down, but reaching out, I'm having to work at that. And I didn't realize it until this dry period of time over the last four or five months, how lacking I was in that reaching out portion of my root system. How needful I am in that. I need the church around me. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need your smiles every once in a while. Just to be honest. I need the words of encouragement. And I know that if I do, you probably do too. The word of God says that we are to be rooted in Christ. We're to sink our, our, our roots right down into Jesus. But it also goes ahead and says that we are to be strengthened in our faith as we've been taught. Now what is Faith. Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. According to Hebrews chapter 11, I tend to think of faith as being more of putting into action those things that you cannot prove, but the beliefs that you hold. Faith is actually living your life according to evidence that goes contrary to what you see. And that's hard to do, folks. I'm going to be very blunt about that. It means that we've got to change some things in the way that we live our lives. The way that I want to live my life is I know things and I'm going to be combative with it. But do you think Christ wants us to be combative? Or do you want to Does he want us to live in peace in as much as it is possible? Do you think he wants us to respect one another, to love one another, to be gentle with those that we address, whether it's in person or online? Is God forgetful? Can you trust him? Having faith means putting yourself out there, trusting. And I'll be very, very honest with you. It's hard to do. In this world especially, you see all the time the trials, the tribulations. They're put right there in front of you in big, bold letters. You're going to die. This is happening all around you. Trials, tribulations, the world is coming to an end. How do you live your life in that situation? By faith. By faith, if you believe the Bible front to back, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, then you believe in Genesis chapter 1 through 3, you know, where it says that all men came from Adam and Eve. So therefore, there aren't differences in races. There's one body, humankind, one race. There's no room for racism. You're hating yourself. The Bible already has the truth in it. We just sometimes don't look at it. There are so many of the problems that are addressed by Scripture that we just don't think about. COVID-19. Most people are leery of it for one reason: I will die. I might die or a friend might die. If you're a Christian, is that such a big deal? For me to live as Christ, to die is gain, according to Paul. Paul also wrote, and these words were, are something that were spoken at my both of my parents' funerals. They come from Romans chapter 8, and I think they're some of the most powerful words in Scripture. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or the sword? As it's written, for your sake, we face death all the day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And yet we live as if we're afraid. Now, I'm not saying be stupid. I'm not saying being irrational. I'm not saying there aren't steps we shouldn't take. Trust me, I have my, my medical mask in my pocket. I've put it on a few times, need to. I keep my social distance. But, folks, Jesus Christ wants us to live our lives. And sometimes that means living them in a certain place. Remember, Paul was confined to a house. When he wrote these words. But he also continued to live for Christ even then. How about you? How about me? I had to ask myself that. Am I continuing to live for Jesus in faith, knowing who he is and what he wants in these times of crisis? We're to gain our strength from our faith. You ever write things down and you look at them and you go, oh boy, I really don't want to say this part. I I do, the words here are written. Let me meddle for a moment. That kind of gives you an idea of what I'm going to do. I'm going to go meddling, I'm going to go stomping on some toes and I hope you don't mind it. But the fact of the matter is, these questions need to be asked of you. Have you spent more time researching COVID-19 than you have looking at your salvation in the scriptures over the last five months? Have you taken a more vocal stand for racial equality than for the cross of Christ that levels us all out? Are you more concerned about the burnt feet of koala bears than the fact that your neighbor may spend all of eternity burning if you don't walk across the street and tell them that they need Jesus? Ouch. Told you I was going to meddle. Fortunately, I checked. There are no rocks in here, so you can't pick them up and start stoning me. But the fact of the matter is, those questions need to be asked. We need to look inside ourselves. And if we don't, aren't answering those things by saying, yes, I'm more concerned about my neighbor, yes, I've been studying Scripture more, if I'm not answering those questions the way that God wants me to, Do I really have the faith that he expects me to have? Do I really have faith enough to give God the glory? You see, this is really a basic sermon. Study the Bible, have faith, give thanksgiving. On the surface, it's real easy. And yet, a 57-year-old Christian who's been a Christian since he was 13 years of age is going, oh, crud. I've still got to work at this. I still have to work at having faith, moving forward, doing what Christ wants us to do. Our faith should be strengthened as we stand up to say, I believe in the Bible from the beginning to the end. It should be the cornerstone of who we are and who we identify ourselves as being. And we have to be strengthened in that faith as we've been taught. Stop and think about it. Men like Daniel who didn't bend, didn't bow, didn't burn because they had faith in Jesus Christ. Noah spent 100 years putting together a boat Before it rained, Peter and John were in jail singing before Jesus, before the angel released them. What are you doing in faith, living and expecting what God will do in the future? What are you doing outside of what you can see might succeed to go into the future to what God sees as the future for you? He has something ready for us. He's preparing for us things to do, to accomplish. Where is your faith taking you? Is it challenging you to go deeper, to learn more? Is it challenging you to reach out and to spread out? your roots to others, to encourage them. Where is your faith taking you? It's a question that we have to answer individually, but it's one we all will be called to answer before Christ. And then finally, there's Thanksgiving. I like Thanksgiving. Turkey and dressing and gravy and mashed taters. I like Thanksgiving. But you want to know what? I'm lousy at that too at times. Not at the eating part. I'm real good with the eating part, but really truly living thankfully. How many times have I sat there going, man, I'm sweating. only to realize that there are people all around the world who have no electricity. And I'm sitting here griping and grousing about standing up here. Stop and think about how many things we have to be thankful for. I've used this illustration a number of times, but it really struck home with me. About 25 years ago, a minister friend of mine walked into a ministerial meeting and he dropped a a set of yellow notepads on the table. Only one of them had writing on them. The rest of them he handed out to the rest of us. He said, I want you to write one thing you're thankful for on every line of that 50-page notebook. He said, I went three pages before I wrote down one physical thing. The first three pages, I want you to put spiritual things you're thankful for. What? he sat there and he started reading off. I'm thankful for the Bible. I'm thankful for God's love. I'm thankful for the fact that he sent his son to die for me. I'm thankful that Jesus came in the flesh. I am thankful for the fact that Jesus lived this life. I'm thankful that he walked. I'm thankful that he bled. I'm thankful that he breathed. And on and on and on. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sins, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for strength from that Holy Spirit. There are so many things to be thankful for. And when you sit down and you think about it, we do all have that. I've been blessed in even greater ways. I have a wonderful wife and family. I have a great legacy that I have to live up to from my parents and my grandparents. And I hopefully am leaving it to my children and grandchildren. Thanksgiving is something that really is more than just food. Thanksgiving is about our attitude. We have so many things. Do you know how many places in the world would love to have a table in their house? And yet, how many of us this morning walked in and went, tables, we're sitting around tables again? There are lots of places that would love to have these tables. There's lots of places that would love to have this many fellow Christians that they can reach out to. There's lots of places where they cannot come together in public and speak the word of God openly. And when you start developing that awareness of what we have to be thankful for, it should change our attitudes We shouldn't be desiring things more. We should be looking for ways to use them for others. Use them for blessing others. Pete, when he was here, we had an elder a few years ago named Pete. And I loved him. He had many skills. He could come in here and he could sew up these chairs He could come and fix dinner and cook things up for you that you would just sit there mouth-watering over. Pete could do all sorts of things. But the one thing he was very consistent in was when you walked up to him and you put your hand in his, he shook it, and he said, I'm blessed. Every time. And it colored how he talked to everyone he met. Does that thankfulness color how you talk to the people that you meet? Because I'll be honest with you, that's one of those things, again, I have to work at. But then I think we all should work at it. I think that's why Paul wrote it to the Colossian church was he was going, it's easy to read the Bible, but it's hard to grow deeper in it. It's easy to have faith, but it's hard to walk by it. And it's easy to be thankful, but it's really hard to demonstrate that thanksgiving. I think that's also why our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, on the night before he was crucified, gave to us the Lord's Supper. Because sometimes he real well he realized that many times we are very forgetful. As Christians, we can we can walk in, listen to a sermon, and walk out and go, I don't remember a single word that guy said. Trust me, guilty. But I'll be very blunt about it. We dare not ever forget the sacrifice that was given by Jesus Christ. Because without that sacrifice, we are condemned to suffer the penalty for our own sins. If there's nothing else that you're thankful for today, be thankful for the fact that Jesus Christ said, excuse me, let me take their penalty. Let me take upon my shoulders their guilt, their sin. And if they will listen to me and come unto me, I will be their Lord, and they will be mine. And he asked a very simple thing for us to do in remembrance. If you're at home right now and you are watching this message I would encourage you at this time to get your communion articles ready. If you're here, uh, you can go ahead and get your handy-dandy little packet open. Uh, I'll be very honest with you. I always struggle with this. Don't take of it yet. I want to talk to you for just a second about this because this is the Thanksgiving that I really need us to celebrate. You see, Jesus Christ, when he was preparing to die, was partaking of the Passover meal. And during the course of that, there aren't a whole lot of fancy foods, but the foods all have meaning. One of the pieces that of food that they partake of is a piece of bread called the afikamen. And the afikamen was to be broken and hidden and then pulled out later in the service and eaten together. According to Matthew chapter 26, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, the afikamen. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my of my covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now on until when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. There's Thanksgiving. It's not turkey and mashed taters and dressing. Thanksgiving is truly being reminded that the body of Jesus Christ was broken for our sins, for the lives that we have have lived. And the cup of remembrance is just that, to remind us that we have salvation full and free from Jesus Christ because of the blood that was placed upon us on the cross of Calvary. Before we partake of these emblems, I think it fitting that we take a moment of thanksgiving in prayer for our Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these emblems, for the bread that reminds us that you came physically from heaven. You gave up the splendor of heaven to walk in this world and to be killed for us. To set for us an example, to live for us according to your teachings, and Father, to be raised anew, to give us hope in something we can't see but have to live in faith by. And Father, I thank you for the emblem of the cup, the fruit of the vine, that reminds us that your blood covers over the sins, making us eligible to be your people, as you are our God. Father God in heaven, I pray that you will bless these emblems and bless those that partake of them, that we may be drawn closer to you as we partake of them just now. These things I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you take a moment in communion with your Lord? So how do you remain a Christian in crisis? When the world is going crazy around you in chaos, how do you hold on to Christ? Number one, it's probably by turning off the TV, turning off all the social media, and opening up God's Word. Number two, it's by living by faith. Don't believe everything you see. Your eyes can play tricks on you. Number three, be thankful for all the many blessings that you have received. This morning's message is to those who are in Christ, to those who have already accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I exhort you to try and put these things into practice this week. As you go throughout each and every day of your lives, make time to pray, make time to study, make time to reach out to others. Make time to walk by faith, to look and say, you know, it's really out of my comfort zone to walk over to that person and say, I love you. This morning, one young lady walked up to me and said, is it okay if I give you a hug? I said, absolutely. In this day and age, you need to be careful about those things. But on the other hand, there are a lot of people out there right now who need somebody. Maybe not to give them a hug, but certainly to show them some love. Will you be the person to act in in faith to reach out to those folks? And finally, will you live in a life of thanksgiving? And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come see me. Come see one of the elders that are here. Come see Dale or one of the staff during the the week. Don't put it off. Because as many crises have come up, I don't know what's around the corner. I've seen things online that say Godzilla's coming. And maybe it is. Maybe Yellowstone will erupt. I don't know. Maybe the meteor that's going to be 375,000 miles away from us is going to divert and come here. Or maybe you'll be hit by a car out on Romback Avenue. None of us know for certain. Don't put off too long the decision to follow Jesus Christ. At this point in time, I would ask that everyone here stand with me, and we'll dismiss with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your church. It's not this building, it's the people that have gathered together today in your name. And I pray, Father, that as your church goes forth from this building, that we will take the the message of Christ, of love, compassion of humility and thanksgiving to others and father that we will reach out to them in, in the spirit of compassion that your son had for us i pray father that your name will be glorified in what we say and do and i pray father that above all things we lift up your name in everything and this is my prayer in jesus name If this message has inspired you or encouraged you, we would love if you shared it with a friend. To help support ministries like this one, go to wcconline.org donate.